You are listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. Awaken Church is a diverse community of authentic love and hope where you can belong as you change and change as you follow Jesus. One of the epic hit songs from the 1980s is uh, by R.E.M. It's called It's the End of the World as We Know It and I Feel Fine. Maybe you've heard this song and as I'm thinking of as we wrap up our our, series that we've been in Revelation for the last several weeks, um, that song just kind of comes to my mind because a lot of times when, when people think of Revelation uh, in the Bible, they think of the end of time or the end of the world as we know it. And um, so so what are some ideas that people have about the end of the world? Think about your own yourself. I mean, what are not necessarily what you believe, but what have you heard and then, you know, also, what what do you believe about the end of the world, uh, the end of the world as we know it? And do you feel fine? Uh, so I'm going to invite you to turn, if you have a Bible, to, and if you don't have one with you, pause and grab a, grab a Bible and turn to Revelation chapter 20. And I think it's just too bad that 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 um, that Revelation's kind of been co-opted by sensationalism and considered to be something it's that it's not. It's not a book about the end of the world. Revelation is a letter written to encourage Christians, uh, followers of Jesus, who are in the very first century, who are struggling under great persecution from the Roman Empire. Revelation is to them. It is. It's for us, absolutely. But Revelation is about the fulfillment of the first covenant, the end of the first covenant, the fulfillment of that, and between God and the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and and establishing a new covenant with with all people, with the Creator through Christ Jesus. The new covenant is for everyone, and new covenant is forever. That's what it's all about. So last week I shared that I firmly believe that history shows that the events and characters of chapter 6 through 19 of Revelation, this letter, were actually fulfilled by 70 AD when the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed by the Roman Empire. And so today we end the series of Revelation, living the, in the apocalypse with the reminder that apocalypse is uh, means full disclosure. That's what it literally means. Reve- revelation is what the word revelation is. And here's the big idea as we get into the last three chapters of Revelation. Those who persevere through the struggle are the true victorious ones. And that, other than oh, Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus is the Son of God. That is 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 is, is a main main idea number one of this letter called Revelation. Main idea number two is this big idea for today. Those who persevere through the struggle are the true victorious ones. And so let's start off. Let's talk about this millennium. We hear the word millennium a lot. Um, especially in the context of the revelation. And so let's let's get into it. Revelation chapter 20. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven with the key to the bottomless pit and a heavy chain in his hand. He seized the dragon, that old serpent who is the devil, Satan, and bound him in chains for a thousand years. The angel threw him into the bottomless pit, which he then shut and locked so Satan could not deceive the nations anymore until the thousand years were finished. Afterward, he must be released for a little while. Then I saw thrones, and the people sitting on them had had been given the authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus and for the proclaiming of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his statue, nor accepted his mark on their foreheads or their hands. They all came to life again, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. This is the first resurrection. The first of the dead did not come back to life until a thousand years had ended. Blessed are the blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. For them the second death holds no power, but they will be priests of God in Christ and will reign with him a thousand years. 
And when the thousand years come to an end, Satan will be let out of his prison. He will go out to deceive the nations called Gog and Magog in every corner of the earth. He will gather them together for battle, a mighty army, a numberless, as numberless as sand along the seashore. And I saw them as they went up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded God's people and, and the beloved city. And the fire from heaven came down on the attacking armies and consumed them. Then the devil, who had deceived them, was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne, and the one sitting on it, the, the earth and the sky, fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne, and the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done. It's according in the books. The sea gave up its dead. And the death and death in the grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the great lake of fire. The, this lake of fire is the second death, and anyone whose name is not found recorded in the book of life has been was thrown into this lake of fire. So, again, if if you if you didn't catch what we did, a lot of this is kind of ongoing. That's why this is called a series. And if you missed it, I would encourage you to go back and check out the, the the message from last week when we talked about the tribulation. But here we are in this this idea of the millennium. In Revelation chapter 20, so an angel descends from heaven. He's got a key to the bottomless pit and he's got a heavy chain. The angel takes hold of Satan and he chains him to this bottomless pit for a thousand years. And some believe this must be exactly a thousand years that, and, and, and that it hasn't even started yet. Like this thousand years is something that's going to happen sometime in our future. This is where we get the term millennium, because millennium literally means a thousand years. That's what it literally is. A millennium is one thousand years. So understanding this again, this is apocalyptic literature, and it's key to understand what kind of literature this is. A thousand years is symbolic language. It's referring to a really, really long time. And it's like um, you would say, you know, it would take me a million years to do that. It's not, you know, it wouldn't take me literally a million years. It just means it's a really long, indeterminate amount of time. It's a really long time. And this is specifically referring to a the really, really long time between Jerusalem being judged and the events that's been described here in verse 9. And this long period of time is symbolic for God's patience. Second Peter 3, seven says, God has also commanded that the heavens and earth will be consumed by fire on the day of judgment when ungodly people will perish. But you must not forget, dear friends, that a day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord really isn't really being slow about his promise to return, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to perish. So he is giving more time for everyone to repent. So, so what's this about Satan being bound for this long period of time? This, this means that, that he's going to be restrained. He mean, this means there, there are implications to this. And again, what he is saying in this, this dream, he sees as something that's about to happen. It's something that we can realize is this is a part of what, what has happened, what is happening, and what's going to happen. Um, because of, of Satan being bound, here's the implications. It's, it's right out of the, the scripture we read. Because of the cross, Satan cannot condemn God's people. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of the crucifixion, because of the blood of the lamb that was slain, Satan cannot condemn God's people. The second thing is, because of the ascension, this is Jesus going up 
it, we, we get the, the picture ascension going up into heaven, um, going, going into the, the, the presence of God, the spiritual realm. Satan can no longer enter God's presence. Because of this, because of the ascension, this is what it's saying here. This is the third heaven it mentions. So this is God's presence. It's not layers in the sky. It is the, the, it's, a, it's a description or a, a metaphor for God's presence. Satan can no longer go into God's presence. He can't come before God like we read about in the scriptures, how Satan comes before God with, with uh, judgments and, and, and those kind of things. Now, and, and, and another thing is, because of Satan being restrained for this thousand years or this really long time, it's a fulfillment. Because of this, it's a fulfillment of the old, old covenant, because the first covenant. Satan cannot prohibit the nations, which means people groups, from turning to God. That Satan cannot prohibit the people, any, any people group, from turning to God. So after a long period of time, Satan is unrestrained for a period of time, it says. He will go out and deceive nations called Gog and Magog in every corner of the earth. Now, Gog and Magog, here's a reference to a, a battle, a great battle. Ezekiel prophesied about, in Ezekiel chapter 38, it's a prophecy about this battle, which actually took place during the time of Esther. Now, I would encourage you, if you read the story of Esther, you can understand some of the references about Gog and Magog, because that is when this battle took place. Now, this is symbolic of increased persecution of Jesus followers after a long period of time that's what this means which says that, that Satan will be released after uh, released after uh, after a long period of time it's the symbolism that there is increased persecution of Jesus followers after this long period of time in this vision John saw Satan and his countless army surrounding uh, surrounded Jesus followers but fire from heaven come, comes down and consumed them this is victory in Jesus then the deceiver is thrown into the lake of eternal fire with the beast and the false prophet that we talked about last week. So the fire represents God's judgment and, 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 and a place and the state of not coming back from that judgment. It's not, it's not an annihilation. Verse 10 says they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's not a, a, it's not a, you're not annihilated. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a place and a state of not coming back from torment. But here's the good news. Satan is vanquished and Jesus is king. This is the good news. Then, then we see a great white throne and, and the one sitting on it. This is the final judgment. And this is yet to come. Everybody was, it says everybody was there. All who are alive and all who ever lived, all the good people, all the bad people, everyone faced the judgment seat. And Jesus is described here, uh, or Jesus actually described this scene if you, in, in Matthew 25. If you read Matthew 25, you see Jesus saying the sheep are the one who followers, follows the lamb, and the goat are the followers of the dragon. Say the goats are, it's like he divides them. The, the sheep are on my right, the goats are on my left. The sheep, he says, come into my eternal rest. The goats, he says, depart from me, I never knew you. Into Depart into eternal fire, uh, I never knew you. And see, Jesus is talking about this exact scene that we see here in the Revelation. The sheep are joined to the lamb forever. And the goats, anyone whose name is not found in the book of life, Anyone who has not followed Jesus, they're thrown into the lake of eternal fire. And, and then John says, and then I saw something new. I saw something new. And we get into the, to chapter 21, we see like a lot of new things, the new Jerusalem. Um, so let's, let's, let's talk about that um, for, for uh, the next few minutes. Then I saw, this is chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. And, and the sea was also gone. 
And, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. Then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of water of life. And all who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. That cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshippers, and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Then one of the seven angels, who had held the seven bowls containing the seven last plagues, came and said to me, Come with me, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. So he took me in the spirit to the great high mountain, and he showed me the holy city Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God. It shone with the glory of God and sparkled with precious, like a precious stone, like jasper, as clear as crystal. The city wall was broad and high with twelve gates guarded by twelve angels, and the names of the twelve tribes of Israel were written on the gates. There were three gates on each side, east, north, south, and west. The wall of the city had twelve foundation stones, and on them were written the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked to me held in his hand a gold measuring stick to measure the city, its gates, and its walls. When he measured it, he found it it was square. As, as, as wide as it was long. In fact, its length and width and height were each 1,400 miles. Then he measured the walls and found them to be 216 feet thick, according to the human standard used by an angel, which is an interesting little edit that's thrown in there by the, uh, uh, some of the original scribes. The wall was made of jasper, and the city was pure gold of glass, as, as clear as glass. The wall of the city was built on foundation stones, inlaid with twelve precious stones. The first was jasper, second sapphire, third agate, the fourth emerald, the, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the, the eighth beryl, the, the ninth topaz, and the tenth chrysoprase, chrysoprase sorry, the eleventh jacinth, jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were made of pearls, each gate from a single pearl. And the main street was pure gold as clear as glass i saw no temple in the city for the lord god almighty and the lamb are its temple and the city has no need for sun or moon for the glory of god illuminates the city the lamb is its light the nations will walk in its light the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory its gates will never be closed and at the end of the day because there is no night there and all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, not nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Let's go on into chapter 22 for a few verses. Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, with fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. No longer will there be a curse upon anything, for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there, 
and his servants will worship him, and they will see his face, and his name will be written on their foreheads, and there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun, for, or, or, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. And then the angel said to me, everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. The Lord God who inspires his prophets has sent his angel to tell his servants what will happen soon. I feel like I need to keep reminding us that this is symbolic language, that there's a lot of metaphor in here, a lot of symbolism. He says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The old ones were gone and, I, and, and so is the sea. See, heaven, heaven refers to the sky. Um, it, it's, it's not talking about a new, the, the, you know, God's place, wherever God's house is. Heaven, it's heaven, it's, it's the heavens, it's the skies, the earth and the sea. All, uh, all show that God is making all things new. As he uses the, the, the sky above, the heavens, the earth and the sea as a symbol. God's making all things new. The sea was also gone, it says, which, which for somebody like me who is, I have a deep, I have a, such a love for the ocean. I love the ocean. I love the beach. I love, I love all things aquatic. <laughs> it doesn't sound like very good news at all that the sea is gone. So we have to remember this, about the symbolism. In ancient times, the sea was symbolic of wickedness and death. It was the place where the beast came from. It was considered the keeper of the dead. To see that the sea was no more was to see that wickedness and death will be no more. Now, the new Jerusalem comes down from the heavens, like a, like a bride dressed for her groom on a wedding day. And God says, no more pain, no more crying, no regrets, no more death. He wipes away the tears from every eyes. And, and, and it's a new day. <laughs> yes, it is. And the city has to shine bright like a diamond. It, has, it, it, it had 12 gates representing the redeemed of the first covenant. It had 12 foundations representing the redeemed of the new covenant. This, this new Jerusalem, the city of God, was no longer a place, but a people. The people, the, uh, the, people, the first covenant, and the people of, this, of the new covenant are joined together as the bride. He says, it looks, this looks like a bride ready for her groom. Now, the sheer size of the city of God symbolizes that there is room, that there is room for all who come to Jesus. Uh, 1,500 miles from one end to the other. That's the distance from Natchitoches to, to Las Vegas, plus 23 miles. <laughs> That's a really big. And the city is also with, uh, uh, 1,500 miles high, with walls as thick as a football field, and, and, and streets of gold and gates of pearl, all symbolic of how beautiful God sees his bride, the church. This is all symbolic of what God sees when he sees you and he sees me living according to his plan and his will. Now, the new Jerusalem has no temple building. The old Jerusalem is all about the temple building, the place where you go to make sacrifices. We don't need a temple because we have the lamb who has been slain for our lives. There was also no moon uh, or sun. Who needs a sun and moon when the glory of God lights up the place? The city, the bride, comes, uh, becomes a lighthouse, beckoning people from every tribe and nation and language. The gates are never shut, and so everyone gets in. Don't miss the timing and the context. Only followers of Jesus get in. Everyone who has already, everyone else has already been thrown into the lake of fire, according to this. this is, it's not a scare tactic, but the revelation that for the follower of Jesus, there's hope. For you, put your faith and your trust in Jesus, because as a follower of Jesus, there's hope. I'm not trying to scare you into anything. Now, there's a river flowing from the throne of the Lamb, right down the middle of Main Street. This is symbolic 
a river. It's, it's, it's a water of life. It's the water of life. It's a fountain of life. And on both sides of this are, are the tree of life, which, which, we have, which have been kept from eating the fruit of since Genesis chapter 3, the tree of life. Genesis chapter 3, and now we eat freely. In Genesis 3.22, says they will live then when they eat from the tree of life, they will live forever. And like the Garden of Eden, it's like the Garden of Eden is happening all over again. God restores all things. This is what it's all about. And then there's this invitation. An invitation to this and you call it a feast, a banquet, a wedding, but let's read it. It's, it's, it's uh, in chapter 22, beginning of verse 7. Look, I'm coming soon. Blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in this book. I, John, the one who heard and saw all these things, and, and, and when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said, don't worship me. I am, I am a servant of God just like you and your brothers, the prophets, as well as all who obey what is written in this book. Worship only God. Then he instructed me, do not seal up this, the prophetic words in this book, for the time is near. Let the one who is doing harm continue to do harm. Let the one who is vile continue to be vile. Let the one who is righteous continue to live righteously. Let the one who is holy continue to be holy. We come to the end of Revelation with the same point Jesus made when he stated earlier, you will have troubles, but Jesus is coming back to end them all forever. Be faithful in the meantime. In this life, you will have trouble. In this life, you will have struggle. In this life, you will have tribulation, but Jesus is coming back to end these things forever. So be faithful in the meantime. Be encouraged. What you are suffering right now will not last forever. God knows how hard it is, He has, and He has not lost control. It's better to suffer and be on the Lord's team than be a winner in the world's eyes and miss the amazing eternity we have described in Revelation, the tree of life. Those who persevere, those who endure, those who overcome, those are the victorious ones. We will be, we will be, we are victorious in Jesus. Verse 12, we're bringing it home. Look, this is Jesus speaking. Look, I'm coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes. They will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat the fruit from the tree of life. Outside the city are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idol worshippers, and all who, who live a lie. I, Jesus, sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. I, I am both the source of David and the heir to his throne. I am the bright morning star. So the spirit and the bride say, Come. Let anyone who hears this say, Come. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. And I solemnly declare, anyone who hears the words of prophecy written in this book, if anyone adds anything to what is written here, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. And if anyone removes any of the words from this book of prophecy, God will remove that person's share in the tree of life and in the holy city that are described in this book. He who is the faithful witness to all these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with God's holy people. There's no commentary needed. 
No additional thoughts. Simply to take the next step and put your trust in Jesus. Lord, Lord, may we take that step now. May we come to you not, no longer worried and scared or, or afraid or confused. Even though we still have questions. As we go through a series, going through this, this ancient letter that we call Revelation, the Apocalypse, the full disclosure of God's plan. But Lord, we understand something here. Your plan is Jesus. Your plan is your people. Your, Lord, our hope is in you. Jesus, our hope is in you. Our hope is in, is in sharing your love, your, 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 your grace, your truth. With all those that we can, all those that we have opportunity to, and so, Lord, today we turn to you. I pray, Lord, that everyone who is who is in the, within the, the the ability to listen to this message, Lord, would hear you calling to their heart and turn to you and follow you. That is the step to take for all of us. For all of us, Lord, whether we have been, we would say, "I'm a Christian and I've been going to church my whole life," or someone who is like, "This is the first time they've ever heard anything about Christ." Lord, that step is to say yes now. I surrender to you. I follow you, Lord. You begin to do in me what it takes to make me a part of this bride, a part of this new Jerusalem, a part of this kingdom of priests where you are the subject. And Lord, we share your love with each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. It's our hope that you have been encouraged by today's message. Find out more about Awaken Church at awakenla.church or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Awaken Church LA.